In this podcast, I'm going to explain the observation method in psychological research. Now again, even though this is a descriptive method, something I've described in a previous podcast, this naturalistic observation or, or what's called scientific observation, these are scientific methods. So don't assume that descriptive methods are somehow less scientific. So it is a form of descriptive research. Now it is kind of what it sounds like, observation. We want to look at what people are naturally doing. But you know for a fact that when you walk into a store that has many cameras or a building that has security cameras, does that change your behavior at all? Right? It might, right? Or an elevator where you see a little black dome in the corner, right? You know there's a hidden camera or not so hidden camera. Does that change your behavior? So that is one of the challenges of trying to observe natural behavior, but how natural is it really? So when we watch reality television series of people in certain settings, and you know that behind the scenes what you don't see is the dozen of cam dozens of cameramen or people uh, following these people around, right? You could say that, well, maybe after a couple of weeks, they're sort of used to them being there, and they're, so they're acting very naturally. But still in the back of your mind, you might be thinking, well, this is not real. They know they're just playing for the cam camera, right? So let's talk about some advantages and disadvantages and why this technique is or method is even used. Is that oftentimes you can get real, natural occurring behavior. And that's far different than behavior you'll see in a controlled setting like a laboratory where people know they're being observed. So if you want to observe elevator behavior, then maybe you have a really good hidden camera in a public building and you're just taking footage of maybe personal space where people tend to stand, right? And that would give you very good information. If you put a sign there and says, uh, everybody riding this elevator, you're being observed, thank you for your participation, then you're going to get a, a different set of behaviors. So you're getting some real world behavior there. Now the main disadvantage is that sometimes observations can be difficult to set up. Uh, you may not have control of that environment, of what people might do or what might happen in that environment. So by definition, that's kind of difficult. Um, it might in involve an investment of a lot of time, money, and luck to see if something's happening. You could be recording for days and days and nothing happens. Okay. Uh, another kind of observation is structured observation where the people know they're being watched. They're in a laboratory setting. They signed off on it, for example. Uh, or it could be that uh, lifespan researchers want to see how kids are behaving in daycare or in preschool. And you have people who are observers who are collecting data with a little clipboard and seeing how many times someone has an outburst, right? Uh, so if they're measuring aggressive behavior, just as an aside here or as an addition, this is interesting because you might get observer bias, right? Because the observer is trained and they know what they're recording. Okay, I'm looking for any kind of aggressive behavior in these children for five hours today. That's my job okay, as a research assistant. Well, is it possible that compared to the untrained person, they may note certain things as aggressive because that's what they're looking for, whereas other people are just noting general kinds of behavior throughout the day and don't have that bias, right? And also, how would you define aggressive? Is it verbal? Is it physical? 
right? That all has to be uh, defined on the outset before a research assistant goes in there to collect that data through observation. And ideally, in that kind of observation, you would have multiple people observing the same behavior. So you have multiple observers, and you want to make sure, and you can statistically measure how consistent these observers are. So if you have two or three observers and they're recording wildly different things throughout the day for Johnny, right, in daycare to measure his, uh, whether he has aggressive behavior throughout the day, then you're gonna have trouble in this research because you're not collecting consistent information. You're not gonna be able to do much with it. Okay, so those are some of the ups and downs, advantages and disadvantages of using the naturalistic observation method. And I hope that was a good introduction Okay, that's it. This is Dr. C, and uh, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey there, thanks for listening to this podcast today. Can you do me a big favor, um, just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field? Uh, go to Apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review, okay? And you can also contact me directly using the links in the description, whether it's Twitter or email, with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better. And uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about, I can add them. And if you want to support me by buying me a coffee, the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.